Hi, friends. I'm Olivia. And I'm Katie. And we are Podcast by Proxy. Welcome. I was not prepared when you were doing that countdown. I had something else open, so I had to momentarily panic and open Audacity to hit record. I could see your mouth go record and mouth the word <laughs> so I could tell when you actually hit the button and it was not when I hit the button it was as so. close as I could absolutely to me be to hearing your leg <laughs> fair well hello hi welcome to episode 22 22 is it 22 now I feel obligated to check please do it is episode 22 and Today is very different from our normal format in general. Very, very different, I think. So we didn't even talk about who's going first because we're really prepared on this podcast. If you haven't noticed, everything's very prepared. We don't wing it ever. (laughs) Well, yours is going to be longer and mine's going to be shorter. And I know that just because of how many words you told me yours was and how much information I was actually able to find once I really dug into this. Um, Okay. But I just still needed to tell her story. It's up to you. I think just based on content as well, I'm going to go first. Okay. Whoa. I could hear people chatting out behind you. They sound like they're having a hoot. Yeah, funny story. You'll have to cut. Well, I don't know. I don't know that she'd care, but my roommate just got home and she said she was in like a roundabout on the way home <laughs> and there's some construction by our house right now. Yeah. And she got like... Very, very minorly, like, the car and her are fine, but, like, kind of rear-ended, like, tapped twice by the same person in, like, a five-minute span. In the roundabout. Yeah. Yeah. The roundabout. Because there is, well, because there, because there's construction, right? So you're kind of, like, parked waiting. Yeah, but you don't have to be touching. And then, like, slowly moving through the construction. Sir, that was not consensual. So I guess it happened, and then... (laughs) They pulled over. She was like, eh, there's no damage. It's fine. And then they got back in the cars and kept driving. And then he did it again. Did they get out and check their vehicles again? No. Because I think the second one was even more minor. Oh. I don't even know. Sir. So I'm sure, I'm sure that's what's going on in my living room right now. I hope so. Because however she's telling that story, it sounds like a lot of fun. And I hope that's the story she's telling. (laughs) Because she sounds amped out there. Honestly, I came out of the shower, like, out of the bathroom, and she swung her bedroom door open and was like, guess what just happened to me? <laughs> Love it. So she was enthused. Um, yeah, so today, we both researched something a little bit different for us, but I think mine so a little bit more because the case that I'm talking about today is actually ongoing. It's an active ongoing investigation and it's very local. So this is very out of the box for us. We try and stray from this kind of stuff. The investigation is occurring right now and any word that we can get out about this and any help from the public Mm -hmm. is needed. I also did an open investigation. I just chose an old one. That's still open, so I'm very excited about this. Okay. So it's going to be kind of serious in here Mm -hmm. today. I know I was a little bit of a doofus last week, but you have 
serious olive in the building today she arrived yeah so we're both going to do a story they're going to be a little bit shorter but they're also going to be a little bit more serious so we're just not going to be able to banter as much i think it's going to be great oh of course people will probably get better <laughs> for once they took it seriously because of the nature like the sensitive nature of both of these cases we're not going to be providing any speculation we're not going to be discussing what we think happened we're just going to be laying out facts and providing resources if you guys like i know for me i have some resources in terms of um discussion groups on facebook and stuff if you want to get involved in those discussions or you want to see what other people are saying um in a respectful way please yeah i found out you went there because of us and then you're being a dipshit i'm coming for you Yep, blocked. Yeah. So anyways, I guess I could cut to the chase. Uh, I personally, right now, I'm going to cover the disappearance of the Port Moody woman, Trina Hunt. This occurred this January 2021. And just for reference, um, a couple days ago, of course, while I'm in the middle of researching this, another podcast, they're actually from Squamish, True North, True Crime. Um, They put out an episode on this case, a way more in-depth though goes into like Trina and her husband's relationship and how they met and a lot more details so if you want to go take a listen to that after this I highly suggest it I did listen and it was really well done my only goal today is just to provide a researched and put together timeline piecing together news articles and all the information circulating online because this kind of started when we first started our podcast and so I to be honest didn't I feel like I miss I missed it. I don't I don't know if I missed it is the right word, but I don't think I put the amount of like energy into this case as I would have like hoped for myself. Fair. So when I started to research it when the body was found, yes, horrible Trina's body was found on May first, and that's kind of when I started to really dig into this and kind of gave myself a head pound for not not knowing what was going on sooner. Yeah. So yeah, if you kind of are like me and you're wondering what the heck is going on or you just want to get the word out about Trina's case, this is going to be the episode for you. So Trina Hunt, she is a 40-year-old woman who was living in Port Moody, BC with her husband Ian Hunt at the time that she went missing in January this year. So Trina actually worked for the same telecom company that Katie and I worked for and that we met at. There is a website. It is, I believe, just Citizen started and run. It's not a family run website, but it's www.trinahunt.com. And it said that she had really good rapport with coworkers. I mean, I think we can both attest to the fact that that particular company, you do get very close to coworkers across the country. You keep friendships with them like long after employment. They hire a certain kind of person, so I found that it was a one-off if people didn't get along with someone there, so definitely. Yeah, I feel like I could be her friend just because I know that she worked there and that she had friends there. That's that's just it. Like I feel like we could be BFFs just because of that. Trina was last allegedly seen at 6 a.m. on January 18th, 2021 by her husband Ian in their Port Moody home in the morning before he left for work. I know your ears perked up at the word allegedly, but continue listening. Also, my brother's birthday again. I don't know why you're doing this. What? No. Yeah. 
Real talk. I'm going to tag every date that you say in this and just make a mental note if it's a family member of mine. Are you cursing me? Is this some kind of curse? Is it voodoo shit? I don't shit? know, but every time you have a family member or it's your birthday that I talk about in these stories. Scared. So that's spooky. spooky. Yeah, very spooky. According to everything that we know, Trina was texting her friend in Ontario on January 15th, 2021, which was a Friday. And at the time, they were texting about setting up a virtual cocktail hour over that upcoming weekend. Cute. Okay. So Saturday the 16th, Trina's phone receives two text messages from a coworker, but that coworker gets no response. Sunday, January 17th, that same coworker gets a response from Trina's phone just before 5 p.m. And the reply says, quote, delayed response because I'm trying a digital detox this weekend. Haven't touched the phone all weekend. End quote. I remember that. Yeah. So after that, this this friend replies, good for you, must be so... Much harder stuck at home, and Trina replied, amen, with an exclamation mark. Okay. Um, you can read these text messages on, is on trinahunt.com. There's a screenshot of them there. So her friend said... Does it say anywhere there that that was her texting style? Just, I'm just curious. This is my next sentence. So her oh. friends say, in retrospect, this reply seems really off, and then... They actually look through her phone later, and she's never used the term amen. Oh, and if you do, you do it all the time, I feel it. Because you put amen in those little praying hand emojis. It's just like a thing you do. For sure. It's not like a one-time thing you pull out, really. Once you hear the rest of the story, you'll see why I think that amen is even weirder. Like, even not knowing her texting style, that seems super, like... Sorry, no. Okay. Yeah, it's just weird given the context. So, okay. The next day is the Monday, the 18th, and her husband, Ian Hunt, reports her missing. Police say that Ian was the quote, last person to see her at their Port Moody home in the morning at 6 a.m. on the 18th before he left for work. Okay. He says when he returned, the door was unlocked and there's no visible signs of forced entry. Trina's keys, wallet, cell phone, and her car were all at their home, but Trina was not there. They later reviewed her phone and laptop, and they showed absolutely no sign of activity on Monday the 18th at all during the day. None. Okay, weird, but yeah. She also missed a a telephone appointment at 1 p.m. that day, which people say was just, like, not like her at all. Yeah, because wasn't she, like, kind of glued to her phone? Not glued to it, but she was... An active user on her phone. Yeah, not glued to her phone, but everything that I can read and see online, she was very close to her friends. Like, her friends and her family, she was very close to them. And I think, you know, people like that communicate. They communicate with their people. Yep. It's their network. That's what they do. So, police report that Ian stated the alarm was unset when he got to the house that evening. Um, But it's also worth noting that he arrived home from work at, like, 4.30 p.m., notices Trina's belongings are there but no Trina and calls the re- the police to report her missing at five o'clock within half an hour. So not like she just could have gone for a walk around the block or something like yeah like I don't he know. doesn't it just seems like very call her mom <laughs> yeah or like call Maybe her friend and say hey have you cause... seen her like 
I don't know. I wouldn't call the police after 30 minutes of my spouse not being home after I just got home from work. That wouldn't seem that odd. Their belongings there would be weird, but I don't think I would immediately go to calling the police. At the same time, though, I feel like when people wait too long to call the police, we shit on them. So it's like, where, you can't win. what is that exact number that we're looking for? Do you know what I mean? Like, we're just nitpicking at this point. But it is worth noting because I have seen that. Yeah, it's worth mentioning. It's a worth mentioning. So according to Trina's cousin, Stephanie, who, by the way, I did uh, give a heads up before we recorded this just to let her know that we were recording this not that we're a huge podcast That's and it's gonna respect. be all over everything I've never been a victim or a victim's family member in something like this and so I just would like to be as respectful as possible but according to Stephanie, it made absolutely no sense that Trina would just walk away from her life. Like, that's not an option, basically. So Trina had recently taken, uh, like, a buyout package from her former employer, Severance. Um, and so, yeah, and and Ian was, like, the CEO of, it's called Clean Tech, I believe. And so he mm-hmm. does well. So there's no financial issues there. That her friends and family know of, there there was no marital issues. Like, there, it's not like a situation where people are like, oh, yeah, they fought or they were, there's definite infidelity. As far as everybody knows, there's no marital problems. I think I read they had been together since, like, high school or university. Or, it was a yeah. very long time. It was. Yeah, and it was I saw in the news time. the same thing. Like, there yeah. was no big red flags. No one had said anything that would set anything off. Like, they seemed fine. Yeah, and, like, no mental health issues for her personally. And I'm sorry that I don't know the exact time when they got together again. True Not True Crime covers it extensively. So for all that kind of stuff, go there. But her, but Stephanie, who's her cousin, cousin-in-law, sorry, said that she believes the text message about the de- digital detox might not have even been Trina. So not only, like, the amen text, like, the digital detox text sounded off. Um, in hindsight, everything just kind of seemed off from those text messages. Stephanie describes Trina as bright and vivid. She said that she welcomes everyone with open arms and was someone that people gravitated to. Stephanie said Trina was meticulous and organized, at the same time flexible and accommodating, putting the needs of everyone before her own. So basically, she seems really amazing and the kind of person with a ton of friends and people that would care about her a lot. She sounds like someone from Port Moody. It's such a small town. She sounds very sweet and caring. and Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it would kind of be helpful to know what they did all weekend during this digital detox. Yeah. I agree. So for a weekend. I would like to know. So yeah. So for a weekend (laughs) timeline, um, obviously they get this from Ian. Trina's husband, and he tells police and the family that him and Trina drove to Hope, B.C. for the day to visit a campground that they used to go to when they were younger. This would have been on Saturday the 16th, um, which also happened to be the same day that those two text messages went unanswered. He said that there were no stops in their trip, that they took the gray BMW rear-wheel drive 3 Series... You may have seen these posters from Trina's case. Um, Mm -hmm. This was a little bit weird considering Trina had a larger all-wheel drive Mercedes SUV. and So why take the car? And just, you know, it's January in the middle of BC. 
Oh, yeah, those are pretty bad roads. Not on the island where we never get snow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, at the same time, gas prices, am I right? Oh, they. So, you know, who's judging? Ian said that they had no phones during this trip due to a digital detox. He wasn't sure of the time that they returned, but that they were back in time for a movie. If you plot out Port Moody to Hope on a map, it's about three hours one way with no stops. I just don't think in this day and age, just the paranoia that people naturally have, I don't think you travel without a cell phone anymore, given an option. Turning off your phone, bringing it with you is one thing. I don't think you go somewhere without. Yeah, so I read this in a news article. It just feels odd. Stephanie said that during a family meeting, this topic actually came up and Ian explained it to them as well. And he stated that the digital detox came up and it was just said that she had needed a break from COVID and Trump on the news. And they decided to take the mm-hmm. weekend away from their cell phones. So, okay, that makes more sense. Like, seems legit. Honestly, Brandon would fucking love if I got rid of my cell phone for an entire weekend. However, not gonna happen. We rely heavily on Google Maps for weekend drives. Like, we do shit like this all the time where we'll just be like, let's go drive somewhere two hours away on a Saturday. But we take, even if I didn't text anybody or I turned, like, my Facebook and shit off, like, I still need my Google Maps. How the hell am I gonna run around? And I think just like what you mentioned there, it's actually good to note that like where we live, and this might not be the norm for other people, but just hopping in your car and going on a two or three hour little day trip is common for us. We have really beautiful scenic drives here. Um, So that might have seemed like an odd thing too. It's not uncommon, I would say here. Like you said, you do it, I do it. It's just something we do around here. Like Personally, that's not strange to me at all because we do that all the time. Even if it's not planned, I will literally wake up on a Saturday morning and be like, hey, babe, want to go to Victoria today? Road trip. And it's like an hour and a half, two hours away. I could say, do you want to go north three hours? Like, it happens. But not taking a phone? No, that seems odd to me for many reasons. Even if I wasn't going to text or go on Facebook or go on the news, I need, unless you're taking a paper map, I guess. I'm just not that old school. I guess maps still exist. <laughs> I'm getting really worked up about the maps thing. Yeah, I don't think maps are really the issue here. They're not. Stephanie also added that, quote, for that to be the precursor for her going missing, it just seems strange, no question. So, agreed. Agreed. So, when it's asked what they did on Sunday, Ian gave really vague answers. To this day, nobody really knows what actually happened on Sunday. We just know that they got back in time Saturday night to watch a movie. I don't think we know what movie it was, but hey, I don't think that matters either. Yeah, but like nobody knows what happened on Sunday, which is also the same day that those odd text messages were sent from her phone in the evening. The amen and the digital detox. Fair. So here's the part. I told them I was recording. We'll give them a sec. Oh, she's telling the rear-ending story again. (laughs) My other roommate. Everybody's home now, though, so there shouldn't be anybody else to tell the story to. <laughs> That's hilarious. So what I was going to say about the text message, mem- remember I said that there was something way weirder that I thought about the text message? Um, the amen. Yeah. Amen. The text message that was originally sent, that she originally sent, said that we went, uh, no phones this weekend, digital detox. Okay. Friend's response is, oh, wow, good for you. 
must be so much harder stuck at home? Her response is amen. Would your response not be, I wasn't stuck at home. I went on a road trip to Hope all day yesterday. I mean, probably. Mine would. It wouldn't be amen. I would per- I would just be like, oh, we got to go on a road trip yesterday. We went to Hope. We went and visited this campground yeah, that fair. we visited in our 20s. Like, this isn't a stranger. This is somebody that she texts. No. And she's a chatty person. Like, she's close with her friends and stuff like that. So, no, I definitely the I agree with amen is weird to me because of the friend's response of, like, must be so much harder stuck at home. Like, we just went on a fun road trip to somewhere that we were supposed to be visiting. We haven't been since our 20s. Yeah, so it was easy to put excited to tell your friend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyways, it's probably something that I'm just getting, like, worked up about again, but that's just stuck out to me right away. I was like, that's weird. I'm picking up what you're putting down. It is. I agree. Yeah. Basically, what I was getting at is that if we don't know, if we don't actually know what they did on Sunday, and the family and friends are saying that text messages sounded nothing like her from the weekend, from the Sunday... Is it safe to assume that potentially the last time anybody actually heard from Trina was Friday the 15th when she planned that virtual cocktail hour with her friend that never happened? I feel like it's possible. I'm not saying that that's. I agree. I think it's a possibility. I just think that's a possibility. Of course. Everything's on the table at this point. Exactly. A large search is launched the evening of the 18th, um, specifically on the Heritage Mountain area, which was around their home in Port Moody. Port Moody police canvas that area. They begin searching. They're requesting video footage from anybody in the area because it was originally thought like maybe she went for a hike or a walk or got lost on the mountain. Super plausible. I go hiking frequently and literally always get lost and I get frustrated two seconds into me getting lost and I have a temper tantrum. I have followed this case and I do remember how extensive the search was under the assumption that yes, she did go for a walk or a hike because that wasn't uncommon. The weird thing was that her belongings were left behind. But yeah, definitely I know what you mean. Yeah, so they bring in scent dogs, they use them around the couple's home, but no scent was detected, which is also weird. Because if she left the home, you'd think there would be a scent trace. So search search and rescue efforts continue over the next few days with community volunteers, uh, helicopter, canine units are brought in, and at least half a dozen officers on the case. But on Thursday the 21st, so three days later, the Port Mooney police call off the community search of Heritage Mountain. So they collect all the local video footage from the area. They encourage anyone with video that they think they might have been taking, like, just stuff in the background you don't have to have been specifically taking a video of the mountain but like maybe you were taking a selfie and that was the background yeah that's footage that they want um exactly nothing is too small when police are asking for information so even if you think what you know is nothing report it if it matches the criteria because it could be everything to them yeah like if you were there and you were taking dumb photos of your dog like i do all the time when we're on walks like they want those that footage and video they want it Mm -hmm. video pictures anything totally port mooney police they call it the community search but they continue their own search so search and rescue canine units continue to search but they don't want the community searching anymore which is of note okay so this this kind of continues over the next few weeks February 17th, 2021, Port Mooney Police issue uh, a formal news release. They state they had brought in um, and utilized various resources. Various police 
and search and rescue resources. And it's at this time that they announce evidence indicated this missing persons case did not meet IHIT's mandate. So IHIT is the Integrated Homicide Investigative Team. Is that right? I don't yes, have it is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> She's good with government lingo, guys. Um, <laughs> IHIT is exactly that, the RCMP's investigation team for homicides. And I don't know exactly what the requirement are, but I know that as of that time, the case did not meet the requirements for them to get involved. I'm curious because they are involved in my case. So I'm very curious to see what the differences are as we go. Well, and they are now. So yeah. they get involved at some point, but at this point on February well, I guess, 17th. Well, in... Why would the homicide investigation team well, be there, there I guess? even really like she's a missing person evidence of this foul play yet family and friends would probably argue otherwise but mm-hmm. basically they say that they they have no evidence of foul play but they didn't say that they weren't keeping their eyes open for it and chief flagel specifically stated at the time our our minds are open absolutely to all possibilities so just because they don't say foul play involved yet doesn't mean it isn't ruled out. So yeah, just because they say at this point foul play is not involved doesn't mean they're not looking for it or that it's ruled out completely. March 29th, 2021 is when the news kind of starts to go crazy again. This is when the first set of human remains is found. It's found by a hiker in Hope, BC. It's always a hiker. <laughs> right? And also, it's never a mannequin. So, yeah, March 29th, a set of human remains is found by a hiker in Hope. There's confirmation that IHIT has identified these remains, but no other information is released. So, they don't release who it's identified as. They just confirm IHIT's involved. They've identified them. Okay. March 31st, which is two days later, the second set of human remains is found in Hope. And on April 1st... um, the next day, neighbors posted a photo of two Coquitlam RCMP vehicles at the couple's Port Moody home for two hours in the afternoon. But Ian was apparently not home at this time. This is based on piecing together what neighbors have posted in the Facebook groups. Okay. But basically, they he moved out of their home on March 29th, the same day that the first set of human remains were found in Hope, and he went to his parents' house in Mission. That's weird, but okay. And then on April, yeah, so, you know, just laying it out there. Yeah, it's it just, it looks weird. That's all we're saying. It looks odd. So the first set of remains is found on the 29th. He moves out, goes to his parents' house in Mission. Second set of human remains is found in Hope. Now, note, I have not said a body has been found. I've said remains. And then the next day on April 1st, uh, the cops are there. But he's not. Okay. So we're, we're still on the timeline. We're there. This is stressful. So April 6, 2021, the third set of human remains is found in Mission, BC. But that body was identified as belonging to a 23-year-old male from Saskatchewan. Okay. So about a month after this happens, so four weeks later, May 1st, 2021, this is kind of when my, not interest, but... Light bulb went off. Light bulb went off, or I I saw it, or it just, it grabbed my attention, and this is when I started to learn more about this case. May 1st, 2021 of this month, I hit reports that the remains found in Hope 
on March 29th were, in fact, those of 48-year-old Trina Hunt. Yeah. Her remains are found in the area south of Silver Creek in Hope, and at the same time, the police said her death is now being changed from a missing persons investigation to a homicide investigation. They do report that they suspect foul play upon finding her remains, and as of right now, no charges have been laid and no actual suspects have been announced that we know of. Okay. So, Trina's cousins and family are incredibly grateful for everyone's help and support, and they're asking the public to continue to dig deep for any information about anything suspicious in the Hope area on the weekend of January 16th, 2021. The other piece of information, if you're looking through your pictures or photos or anything, if you are like a 4 by 4 in the area, if you dirt bike, if you quad, if you just like to go out there and you're backroading, um, her remains were found along Silver Skagit Road. Skagit is spelled okay. S-K-A-G-I-T. Um so, as this is an active, ongoing investigation, the police and IHIT are not providing any further details at this time. But if, like I said earlier, if you do want to read or participate in any of the discussion threads on this case, um, I link them all in the episode details today. There is a family-run Facebook group, an unofficial Find Trina Hunt discussion group on Facebook, and an unofficial Reddit sub as well that's not run by the family, but there is very much um, activity by the public. And in a statement to Global News, Stephanie made a plea and it included, quote, it's time to put an end to the suffering, the indignity done to Trina. It's time to come forward and do the right thing. So one of the main messages the family has been spreading for Trina is that they promise to never let her sparkle fade. Stephanie says this message is because people who knew her always felt that you could see a sparkle in her eyes and that's why they made a promise never let her sparkle fade from the world. Now, you can see that though in the pictures of her. She just looks... Like, she was such a fun person. Yeah, she does. And honestly, her photo is what drew me into this case. I'm sure I would have looked either way because it's so close to home and it's it's crazy. This case, like, pulls a lot of feels out of me. I just remember seeing her photo and being like, I feel like I know her. I feel like we're already friends. She just looks really nice. And it made me really sad. She and does. it's just such a crazy... So anyways, I just really wanted to get her story out. I'm glad you did, because I remember mentioning this a couple months ago. You did. And it was just like a, hey, heads up, yeah. guys, because we had some local listeners. Yeah. Um, so it's wonderful to have an update on it yeah, as well. Yeah, so the last thing I'll say is that a GoFundMe page was set up to help assist with finding Trina. I believe the GoFundMe page total is like $22,000 right now at the time that I researched this. But okay. if you have any information about Trina Hunt, if you think you saw her after the 16th of January 2021 in Port Moody, BC or in Hope, BC, please contact either the Port Moody Police at 604-461-3456 or Crime Stoppers to Remain Anonymous at 1-800-222-8477. You can also contact the IHIT information line at 1-877-551-4448. And they also have an email, which I'll link below. Um, obviously, there's a ton of unanswered questions in this case. And like I've said about 4 million times, I just wanted to provide a researched timeline and get the word out about this case. Because we do have listeners across BC, and we need you right now. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Awesome. Perfect. All right. 
Um, I also just looked up the poster while you were talking because I remember the one that you were talking about. So I knew if I saw it, it would stand mm-hmm. out. The two vehicles that they did list as valid to be on the lookout for um, were, as you mentioned, the late model dark gray BMW 3 Series. Um, and then her SUV was a late model white Mercedes GLE Series. Either of those ring a bell for that weekend. Those are the two cars that are on the oh, poster. Oh, for the weekend. Because I was like, is that we have her car? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying for the weekend. Okay. Okay. Well, mine's definitely going to be way shorter than yours because mine is not so much a timeline. It's more just like you said to bring awareness. Okay. Out of nowhere, saw this on the news in April because April 3rd marked the 12-year anniversary of this story. Oh. And I didn't know who she was. I, it, the name didn't ring a bell, to okay. be honest, off the top of my head. So I actually took a picture of it when it was on TV, thinking I wanted to look into this. And then when you mentioned that you wanted to do this episode, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. So the story doesn't have necessarily as much information as I might have wanted. I don't know, just felt really strongly about this case too, like how you said about this one. These are our backyards. All these places and people and businesses and stuff are all familiar to us. They just hit home a little more. Yeah, for sure. But yeah. It's riskier territory for us. Like, we a harder yeah. time talking about cases that are local, but I think if it's done in the right way, it's important. Of course. And we do try to do our due diligence to always reach out. Like what's, yeah. Like, like And get any type of confirmation or an okay. Yeah. Like, we did with the Michael Dunahee case we did as, that well. as well. Reach out to his mm-hmm. mom. Um, well, and I just don't ever want somebody to be surprised or think that I'm doing it. Because I want to, like, capitalize off of their family's case. Like, that's not why I'm here. I think we all know that I'm not built for the entertainment business. (laughs) I'm just here to get the word out, you know? I don't know. I don't know. I kind of kill it on social media. Oh, I can market. I'm just not... I'm just not funny. I could sell myself. I'm just not selling anything good. (laughs) The package is not great. (laughs) It's like the dented one at the store that's discounted. Yeah. <laughs> the package is rough, but what's inside is top quality that product. That is exactly <laughs> how I see myself as a podcast host. I am the dented, the dented can at the grocery store. The grocery store that's like on sale. Huh. Fair. I'll be right there next <laughs> to you. We can clunk through this together. Welcome to our those ones that are just like written podcast. on with. They're like written on with a sharpie. Guys, we record in a garbage can. <laughs> Did you know? Pretty much. <laughs> We're Oscar the Grouch of podcasting. <laughs> okay, sorry. I needed a little funny moment. Okay. I'm doing just really... Whew. And again, these are serious cases, but that doesn't take away that Olivia and I are losers when you put us together. So this is what happens. <laughs> okay. April 3rd, 2021 this year marks the 12-year anniversary of the murder of Wendy Ladner Beaudry. Okay. I've heard this name. She was, yeah, yeah I had heard, heard the name. name too, but it just, it didn't stick out to what it was. I didn't okay. know the story. She, at the time, was a wonderful wife, sister, and mother. People loved her. Her family actually was one of the earlier families to come to Vancouver or the area and settle there. And that's how we have Ladner Vancouver was from her great-grandpa. Ah, like, it's really? so cool. That's cool. Yeah, this is like a little piece of history. That's really cool. (laughs) Yeah, they came and put down roots there and decided to name that community Ladner. That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wendy was born and raised on 
the Shaughnessy community area of, or in Vancouver. She grew up with a brother, Peter, and he went on to be quite a successful businessman, even um, a local mayoral candidate at the time, or at one point in time. And he's a huge activist in the community. He seems like a wonderful man. We are very lucky to have him because he is still a Vancouver resident to wow. this day. That's cool. Um, and regardless of the story I'm about to tell you, he still goes on to believe that Vancouver is a safe, wonderful place. So I think it goes to speak volumes to the kind of person he is yeah. as well. Wendy, obviously her family was pretty affluent, so she got some opportunities to try out her hand at some sports, things like that. And she became a high-performance athlete in swimming. Um, and then she was like one step down from that in skiing and field hockey. So she was just like athlete supreme. She obtained an International Ski Federation World Masters title at one point, And she was ranked nationally in swimming. Wow. Which is hard, by the way. Swimming is really hard. Yeah. And it's hard to be good at one thing and be a master. True. But she was like, she held a World Masters title in skiing, it sounds like. And... She was nationally ranked in swimming. And then she went on to be a co-chair for the Seniors Field Hockey Association of BC and Ontario, as well as being on the BC Games Society board and being a constant advocate for women's sports and having a chair position in, I believe it was called Kids Sport, to make sure that kids sports programs stay funded because it's a huge asset and we need it in our communities. Absolutely. Yeah. She was huge in her community. This lady was a badass to be honest she just sounds so cool and i'm sure her daughters because she has two daughters i hope they are just like her because passed on some amazing qualities to them yeah Yeah, at the time of the attack wendy was 53 years old and as i mentioned she did have two daughters who at the time were 16 and 21 on april 3rd 2009 wendy went for a run nothing out of the normal she goes to spirit regional park near ubc Near Southwest Marine Drive and Camosun Street, and she was actually on the St. George Trail of the park, just for reference, because there's multiple entry points to this park, but that would be the one that police and authorities would have come to as a meeting point to enter the park. And the reason they would be coming to the park is because at 2.40pm, a jogger and a cyclist came across a badly beaten body of Wendy. Her body was found near the opening of the trail, actually very close to the main entrance. She was wearing black tights, a black windbreaker with pinstripes on the arms, and silver and white New Balance sneakers. So frequently ran at this park. It was really close to her home. It was, it's not uncommon that there's been things that have happened in this park. There are a lot of statements out there for women to be careful in this park. I since saw a few articles of other women being attacked at this place. Um, And to be honest, I was none the wiser to this. Especially knowing it was next to UBC, which is a large university campus we have here. I would have thought it would have been a little bit more patrolled or safer. But apparently the actual woods area of this park is quite dangerous. And women are asked to not run with both headphones in, things like that. Go in pairs. If anyone remembers, Elisa Lam went to UBC. She did. She did. She did. Comes full circle, people. Um, I was actually going to ask if, because that is a thing here, I'm sure it's a thing everywhere, where, like, certain places, jogging places are, like, you're told to be more careful than others. Like, there's been frequent attacks there, whatever. There's actually a loop that I, I don't run it really anymore, but there used to be a guy who would just, like, chase women naked 
in there. And it's like a pretty populated loop too. Like it's not in the middle of nowhere. So it was just, it's a thing. But I was going to ask if that, if that's a thing there, because it seems pretty rash to just like beat them to death, the opening of a park. And in the middle of the day, this is like 2.40 in the afternoon. Yeah, that just seems very like, yikes. Yikes. Yeah, it's very odd and it's just it's it's odd that it's midday it's right at the entrance and nobody saw a thing. This is really Yeah. It's so crazy. Um the park, like I said, was not far from her home. She frequently went there. Um following the discovery of her body, the police deployed a super extensive search with uh sixty officers performing a five day grid search of the area and the crime scene. I'm unaware if that even actually covered the entire park, because I did hear that the park is 763 hectares of land. So I don't know how 60 people could have even done a full grid search of that in five days. It just doesn't seem possible. However, I don't know how much of that land is taken up by buildings and school property. So I don't know. I... Again, that would just be me speculating on it if they did or did not look up the whole property. When a crime scene analysis was brought in, they did report that there were potentially 270 people worth analyzing at least in the area. And they found that there were 80 possible suspects within the study radius showing that they were of higher priority to look into, although nothing panned out. They had no suspect and no motive still at this point. They had nothing. They literally have just a tragedy in a park at this point now they did obviously go through local offenders dangerous offenders that's what made up most of that 80 person list it seems like yeah and Mm -hmm. standard procedure yeah so the next part is a bit of back and forth i read articles uh with the police statements and her husband's statements her husband was ruled out almost immediately. He was never really a person of interest. Police claimed that none of this happened, by the way. But on September 2009, Wendy's husband, who was cleared, like I said, he was told that he should reach out to the media because they had lost traction and there were no more leads and they should essentially reach out and ask for more information, more help. Now, the RCMP went on statement almost immediately after saying we would not have asked him to do that. That could actually hinder the case. And so it's it's his word against theirs kind of thing at this point on that topic. But I think it's worth mentioning because he was so upset that they were calling him already in September. So it had only been five months and they were already saying, we don't really have anything, is kind of his impression from all the articles and the statements. Like he literally says, they ran out of leads. We need you to reach out to the public. Even though he's been cleared, he has nothing to gain from lying about the police or trying to sway anything. They all have the same mission at the end of the day. At what? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So he went to the media. Mm Mm-hmm. To get attention from the case Mm -hmm. and said that the police told him to, but the police never told him to do that. Yeah. So I'll, I actually have the article here because I know that part is kind of odd. So the statement here says the RCMP contacted me some weeks ago and said to me that essentially they had exhausted their leads and they need me to get back in front of the media and plead for the public to help us. And then when someone comes up to me and says, we're at the end of our ropes, we need your help after only five months of an investigation, it really frustrates me. So these were all things that the husband was saying because the police essentially did come to him, though, and make those Hmm. statements saying, like, we're at the end of our rope. We don't have anything else. 
So now can you put out a public plea to try to obtain more leads and information? But then when he did it, because he expressed frustration, it seemed like there was maybe some mixed signals or a miscommunication. So or who's something. lying? That's what I want to know. Lying here? Who right. the fuck's lying? And I just don't see why, if they really had run out of leads at the time, why the, doing another press release or a plea for public help would be a bad thing. So my thing with this is, like, the, wouldn't the police do that themselves? You would think. Um, it's such a weird, really weird move that the cops would be like, hey, you go find somebody in the media and you do a press release. Like, again, I've never been on that side of it, so I don't know. So in his defense, her husband does work for a news outlet, though, just so you know. He works for, it's called Pick Magazine oh. in Whistler. So he does have some connection to resources. And I don't necessarily think they were saying that. I think they were trying to get him in front of a camera. At some point, and I wonder if maybe he took it as he was supposed to do it on his own, or and it was maybe supposed to be a collective press release. I don't know. Honestly, I don't even think it means anything. Was it just a big miscommunication yeah, and everyone? Anything? It's just weird. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, the police state that it was the exact opposite. Like I said, normally they said that we would always lean towards keeping information quiet. They handed the case over pretty much immediately after that to the RCMP major crime sector instead because they were they had no motives they had no leads there was nothing to go on and when the case changed hands it sounded like the reward was taken away for her case because it switched authorities and her family went and reposted the $30,000 reward. So there is currently a $30,000 reward on this case for anyone who has information about it. Her family still believes that this is solvable and that we do live in a safe, beautiful place. They really just want information. Like I said, there was another young woman who was attacked in 2010. We can prevent this. Like there is ways around this that we can help yeah. each other. Like Olivia said earlier, if you have any information, you can reach out to the E Division of the Major Crimes Tip Line at 778-290-5291. Or if you remain anonymous, you can go through Crime Stoppers. That's really all mine was. It was very short in the end because there's really not much to it. This is solvable. It's a very public place and it's going to be just the right tip. Crazy how some cases go so cold. Yeah, and this one just seemed to go cold so fast. Yeah, I've said it before on this podcast, and I don't know how to word it. Nobody likes cold cases. No, it feels unresolved. They're just so frustrating. They're so frustrating. They are. They're Nobody so frustrating. Likes... That's the more frustrating part. It's a real person, and they have friends and family, and mm-hmm. I just can't imagine if, like, something happened to you. Like, why does one person get to change everybody's lives? And then I was just told, like, like, if I, and then I was just told, well, we don't know. Yeah. I'd be like, that's not good like, enough. what? The fuck do you mean you don't know? Like, I just, oh, I'm getting heated again. <laughs> I'm very, this is I supposed need to be, to be... In this mood all the time when we record. I know. Honestly, this, <laughs> I think this just because we both felt like our heartstrings were really pulled at during this one. I think this one just mm-hmm. hit home more than usual. And this wasn't telling a story just to tell a story. This was telling a story to get information out and try to get help. So I think these ones mean yeah. even more because we can do something. Well, it feels like the wrong time to say this. So it's probably the perfect time for Olive to say it then. If you liked this episode and you want more information from us, I post lots of like crime facts, information about Canadian law, 
all of our episodes. I throw in a good meme every once in a while on Instagram, and by every once in a while, she's I mean being humble. Week, I post a meme. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can do that. You can follow us at Podcast by Proxy on everything. Yeah. Um, case suggestions, we love. We love a good listener platform follow too. If you're listening on Spotify, hit the follow button. Apple Podcasts, hit the follow button. Yeah, guys, we're starting to. We're starting to collect those numbers, too, and really look at them. We're finding ways to see these numbers, and it's so exciting, and we're so happy, and we just love having people come back week to week to, like, hang out with us, because that's how it feels to us. We do this because we just want to hang out with you guys. We do, and to be honest, um, that one episode a few weeks back that I explained if you're an iPhone user and you don't want to listen on Apple Podcasts, like you have a Spotify account... You still have Apple Podcasts and an account on your phone, whether you like it or not, um, because Apple is a cult. Great. So you can just swipe all the way over on your screen, all the way to like the last screen, and it's a little purple button. You just go in there, type podcast by proxy, and you can give us whatever star review rating you want to. I mean, we love fives, but if you have a suggestion, leave it there. Like, this is how we're going to know, but... um. Anyway, just thank you so much because I did notice when I mentioned that, that there were quite a few more reviews that came in, um, not just in Canada, but in the U.S. as well. And we talked about the uh, new Spotify algorithm and we got quite a few Spotify followers as well. So it really does help. I know you're probably irritated with us talking about it, but the only other, like the only other thing you could do to support us the best other than listen is these things follow on your listening platform and leave a review on apple podcasts yeah and i mean instagram is just a place that you can come hang out with us more yeah it's really just like our hangout sessions but on instagram that's like after work when we go to the bar exactly so we don't do too many lives on there but every once in a while katie and i will pop on live and just say thanks show you something i've rambled enough but i really appreciate everybody who listened to this episode it was really important to us to do and out of our comfort zone and scary, but I'm really happy with how it went. Me too. I'm going to go dry my hair and see what it looks like. Send me a picture. Okay. Okay, bye. I'll call you soon. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. How do I stop this shit? I'll stop it. (laughs) Okay.